Well, good morning. Hope you guys are doing good. It's been a good morning. Um, We are in a series, if this is your first time here or haven't been here in a while, called Seven Letters. And uh, it's actually uh, derived from or covering the seven letters that Jesus spoke to the churches, the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And we find these letters in chapters 2 and 3 of Revelation. And um, it's been powerful. People have been being touched. And Jesus really challenges his church, you know. Uh, He challenges his church to rise up to who they've been called to be. He challenges his church to be and walk in the power that he has made available to them. And so today we're going to, let's find out what church we're covering today. Aha, Philadelphia. Jesus' letter to Philadelphia. Now, if you're not familiar with the book of Revelation, um, the, Re- the book of Revelation starts with the Apostle John um, identifying himself, and then he has this vision of Jesus. And Jesus reveals himself to John in all his glory. Um, so much so that John, he says, when I saw him, I fell to my face as though I were dead. I mean, the real powerful, glorified Jesus. He, he was in awe of him, and he, he fell to his face as though he were dead. And that's the same Jesus we're going to see someday. That's the same Jesus we're going to stand before someday, you know? Um, I, I know the movie theaters, they, they paint him as this, this wonderful, dirty-haired blonde with long-flowing uh, 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 dryer, what is it, blower dryer hair and curly and all this stuff. And he's floating along the beach, you know, and it's wonderful. Jesus is a warrior. Jesus is a mighty God. And, and we will stand before him someday. So in these letters, we're, we're seeing what Jesus likes and doesn't like. We're seeing what Jesus affirms in his churches and in his people and what he identifies as, as problems, And in so doing, we're realizing that the the messages that he spoke 2,000 years to churches in that day still apply to us today. And so when we look at this this letter to Philadelphia, we're going to realize that he had an amazing message. It's one of the few churches that he didn't identify any problems with. Actually, there's only two of the seven that he had no problems that he identified in Philadelphia is one of them. Now, Philadelphia, the city, which is in Asia Minor, was in Asia Minor at that day, um, is, is not far from Sardis, which is the, the church that we covered uh, last week. And it's on the eastern border of Asia. Eastern border of, of Asia. And it was founded by this guy, Eumenes II. Um, and he dedicated this city to his brother, Atellus, because he loved him so much. He loved his brother. And that's why we get, and that's where we get the name Philadelphia, which means city of brotherly love. City of brotherly love. So the founder of that city dedicated the city to his brother, Atalus. And this city was known as the open door to the east. It was uniquely positioned. And to the east was Syria. And... Um, the intent of this city, they, they viewed themselves, in essence, as cultural missionaries. 
where they would take the Greek culture, they would take the Greek language to other nations that did not have the Greek culture and Greek language. And so they viewed themselves with a very specific mission to influence the nations around them with their culture and with their language. That's the purpose of the city. Um, and we'll find, as we read, read the story or the letter that Jesus spoke to them, that Jesus had a very, uh, very specific mission for this church as well, related to taking not the Greek culture, but the Christian message, the gospel, to other parts of the world. And what we'll find is the Lord opened an amazing door for this city. And I want to read from Revelation chapter 3, verse 7. This is the beginning of that letter to the church in Philadelphia. And before I read that, I just want to say that Philadelphia was, it was located between essentially two mountain ranges in a valley, and this place was consistently rocked by earthquakes. Um, in fact, one, one historian said there was, there was an extended period of time, I mean, in the years, in the duration of years, that there were tremors felt every single day. And because of this, people would not, they didn't want to live in the city for fear that the, uh, the buildings would fall on them. So they lived outside the city. They went during the day into the city to do their business and then left the city to go to their homes because they didn't feel safe in the city because of the earthquakes. In Revelation chapter 3, verse 7, this is Jesus speaking and John writing, and he says this, To the angel of the church in Philadelphia write, these are the words of him who is holy and true. Jesus always identifies himself to the church, and it has meaning. The way he identifies himself has meaning to that specific church. We also find those words holy and true being, being spoken to God himself by the martyrs in, in Revelation chapter 6. That he is holy and true. And he goes on to say, who holds the keys or the key of David. What he opens, no one can shut, and what he shuts, no one can open. Now, this may not have specific meaning to us in this room today when we think about it and read it at surface level, but when I think of keys, Jesus said, I have the key of David. Now, as you look through the scripture, you find that Jesus is really a key holder, and keys, keys um, identify authority and power to gain access to things. Now, if I took your car key, right, I would have access to your car. I, I would be able to drive your car down the street, right? If you lost your car, that thing's going to be, if, car key, if you lost your car key, that thing's going to be sitting out in the parking lot for a while, right? Now, keys, keys in the New Testament identify opportunities for ministry. But what Jesus, uh, Jesus as the key holder, we see that he, he holds the key of David in other scriptures, he says, actually in chapter 1 of this book, Revelation, he says, that I have the keys of death and Hades. He talks about the keys of the kingdom. He talks about keys to the abyss. And um, not only that, there was one other one. Key to the bottomless pit. Now, Jesus has authority because he is the key holder. He's walking around with this big, uh, big chain of keys, you know, dangling around. And he's the one who has authority. Not only the key of David, which actually that, the end of that verse, key of David who uh, opens what no man can shut and 
shuts what no man can open or something like that. Comes out of Isaiah chapter 22, verse 22. You can look at, look at that. Um, it's a, pretty much a direct quote from Isaiah. And Jesus is saying, I, I am the one who holds the keys. I want you to know, Church of Philadelphia, that I'm the one who has authority and power. And I'm, I'm holy and true. And I'm coming to you because, again, that church, Philadelphia, and that city, Philadelphia, was known as the open door to the east. This was not church people talking about that. This was known in Greek culture as the open door to the east. Okay? And Jesus comes and says, listen, I'm the one who holds the, the keys to the open doors. I'm the one who shuts doors. I'm the one who controls things. I have the keys. This, this is what, what Jesus is saying to the church through John. And so an open door, again, identifies, as we read in the New Testament, opportunities for ministry. And it's, it's Jesus who holds the keys that allow us to enter into different realms, different places. I know we think geographically all the time, but, but when, when Jesus is saying there's an open door, it's different than a physical door like this one over here, you know? It's, it's, it's a little bit different because he's saying, I'm giving you access to a different realm. Now, this place is a wreckage because people are changing and all that stuff. But I just want you to see that, that it's Jesus. He, he's the one who has the key. He's the one who's gaining, giving us access and giving the church access to a different place, okay? So he says, I'm the one who opens a door that no man can shut and closes doors that no man can open. He, he identifies himself that way. And we, we see this throughout the scriptures that Jesus and, and, and God himself when he's, when he's sending people on ministry missions, opens and closes doors all the time. It was Paul who was heading into Asia. You may remember the story. He was heading into Asia. He's on one of his missionary journeys. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit forbid him to go into Asia. Now this guy, is, he's a missionary. He's sent by his home church. He's on his way. And, and the Holy Spirit shut the door. Did not allow him to go into Asia. So then he thought, well, maybe I'll go into this other place, Bithynia. You can read this in Acts. I'll go into this other place called Bithynia. And the, the Bible tells us the Holy Spirit didn't allow him to go there either. And then that night he had a vision. And there was this man from Macedonia saying, come, please help us. Come to Macedonia and help us. And he surmised that it was the Lord saying, I'm shutting these doors to Asia and Bithynia because I want you to go to Macedonia. I want you to go into this place. This is the, the region, the area that I want you to go and minister. And as they went, they found great favor. The, the open door speaks of um, God's working, God's favor, God's, God moving in a way that we, we couldn't prepare the way like God can. You understand that? Um. And we find, in another scripture, Paul was in Ephesus, and he writes to the Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16, verse 8. This is what he says. Now, we're on the topic of open doors. 1 Corinthians 16, 8, he says, But I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. He's writing to the Corinthian church. Because a great door for effective work has opened to me. You see that? A great door for effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. 
And so Paul is writing to these people and he's saying, listen, I want to come see you, but listen, God has opened a door here and I need to stay here and do what I'm supposed to do until this door closes. And Jesus is saying to this church in Philadelphia, I'm going to open doors and close doors. I'm the one. I control. And so it's not up to us to open doors. It's up to God to open doors. It's up to us to go through doors. You get this? Um, In Colossians, I do want to point out about doors, though, that we can pray that doors be open. In Colossians, Paul writes this. Chapter 4, verse 3. And pray for us, he says. Pray for us, too, that God may open a door for our message. Do you see that? Pray. Pray that God would open a door that this message would spread so that we can proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I am in chains. Here's a guy in prison. You know, I I love Paul. We, We could talk about the character of Paul someday in the future. But here's a guy in prison asking for prayer, not to just be set free, but so that the gospel can be taken to the ends of the earth. Amen? This is, this is Paul. He has a passion for ministry. He has a passion to see people's lives change. And he asked the church in Colossae, pray that the door would open for me. Pray that the door would open. Now, I want to just bring this home to us today for a moment. This, this concept of open doors. Because in reality, if Jesus is the, the one who controls the doors being open and closed, I would want to know the answer to the question, well, how do I know if a door is open for me? How do I, how do I, how do I know? I, I mean, early on in my Christianity, one of my prayers to God was, I don't want to miss anything God has for me. I don't want, when God is moving and when God is preparing a way for me, I don't want to miss that. Now, I can look back and I would never want to have experienced this opportunity that God opened a door for me, but I didn't go in it. You understand what I'm saying? Because God is, God is preparing the way for us. Now, I'm talking about, at this point, a church. He's speaking to a church in Philadelphia. But the reality is, the same message applies to this church and every person in this room. That it's Jesus that opens doors and closes doors. So how do we know when a door is open? Um, I, I want to say, first of all, that you'll never know until you try and walk through it. Paul was heading into Asia. He was, he was heading to a place. And until the Holy Spirit stopped him, it's almost like he just went, bong, like he... he he was going. He was, he was destined to go into Asia. And then the Holy Spirit shut the door on him. And he realized it. He was destined to go into Bithynia. But the Holy Spirit shut the door on him. And he realized it. Now, I want to say that doors in life, ministry opportunities, are um, usually presented as options. Now, it's very important to be able to hear the voice of God. Because... In this life, we have so many options. We, we're presented with all these options, you know? Even as Christians who pursue God passionately, who have a, have a passion for him, a fire burning inside of us because we love him, there's still options out there, even ministry options. I could go here, I could do this, I could do this, I like to do this. And we have these seemingly open doors before us but then when we realize that as we're, we're going into that door, the door's closed, 
we understand that it wasn't God, either God's purpose for us or it wasn't God's purpose at that time. Um, years ago, when my wife and I and family were getting ready to go get ministry training, we were going to move down to Virginia. And um, I had the blessing of the pastor, and we were meeting, and he was mentoring me, and, and he said, you know, I do see a call of God on your life, and I do see a call of God on Kelly's life, and I do think the next step would be for you to get training. So I, I just bless whatever the Lord's putting on your heart to pursue training. And as we began to apply, I got accepted at a college in Virginia, and we were going to go. We were figuring out ways to sell the house and leave the job and go down there and get a job and, and all that stuff. God closed the door. Now, it's not always fun when God closes doors. You know, it's not always fun to discover, listen, I'm, God, I'm pursuing you. I'm wanting you to move. I'm wanting you to do something. And he closed the door. And one thing I want to point out of that last verse that we, I shared with you in Colossians 4, 3, he says, pray that the door would open. And that, that says to me that um, we should be people of prayer, that doors would open by God. Lord, pray that the, I, I pray, Lord, that you open the door for me to share the love of Christ with my, with my coworker. Lord, I pray that you would open a door for me to, to minister to my neighbors. Lord, I pray that you would open a door for me to, to impact, um, you know, the, the club I'm a part of, whatever that would look like. You, you see, Paul's, Paul lays a great foundation for us, and he says, pray, please pray that the doors would open, that the Lord would open doors of opportunity for me to share the gospel. And we know it's God's will that the gospel be shared, amen? So we're praying in concert or in unison, in unity with God's will. And so now we're trying to discover the place, the people, and the timing. And this is Jesus speaking to a church to say, Listen, I am the one who opens doors. So you'll never discover an open door until you try and go through it. That's, that, that's the, the first thought that I want you to know. And I also want you to know this, that confusion can come because there's seemingly so many opportunities before us, but God doesn't always show us the big picture. In fact, most times he doesn't show us the big picture. I can't tell you 10 years from now where I'll be, what I'll be doing, you know, um, and all this stuff, because I, don't, I have an idea, but that doesn't mean it's, it's something that God has clearly shown me. You understand? And, and so if he showed us everything all about our future all at once, it would blow our minds. I, I don't think we'd be able to handle it. I, I don't think it'd be healthy for us. And so what he does is it's part of the process of teaching us to trust him, teaching us to seek his face, teaching us to wait on him, all of these are aspects of building a relationship with him. Do you trust me? Well, if you trust me, I want you to go through this door I'm opening for you. And so this is what, what Jesus is saying to the church in Philadelphia. Now, as we go on and read further into this passage, verse 7 of Revelation 3, excuse me, verse 8 of Revelation 3 says, I know your deeds. I know your deeds. See, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. Here he's saying this again. I am the one who opens doors and closes doors. But now listen. 
There's a door that is open before you. This is what Jesus is saying to this church in Philadelphia. And the interesting thing is God is not all that concerned about the things we're concerned about. You never see him saying, you know, I, I, know, I, I know you're pretty passionate people, but I just don't like the color of your carpet. You know, I mean, the, the layout in your atrium and the kind of coffee you're, it's just, it just doesn't cut it for me. You know, the, the worship, you know, I wish you played different songs because, you know, I, I'm, I, I like these other songs right now. You know, that I'm, you, you see, Jesus is not into the peripherals. We're, we are so into the peripherals. We are so caught up in the things that really just don't matter. You understand what I'm saying? And we should be the kind of people that sees the way Jesus is seeing. He says, I know your deeds. I, I know that, that you're a church that works hard at serving one another and loving one another. I, I, know, I, I know what's going on inside. See, he sees past all that. He's more concerned about how, how good do you love each other? You know, how, how much do you love me? How much are, are, you, are you caring for the world that's outside of the four walls of the church? And so consistently each letter we see Jesus talking about things that matter to him. That matter to him, you know? Um, and so he says, I know your deeds. See, that word see in Revelation 3.8 is an important word. Your translation, if you have another translation, may say, behold, or look, look, wow, look with astonishment. I want you to see something. Look at that open door that I've made available for you. I, I think this is so important to us in this room because I can tell you that most of us get stuck in a place even when we have a heart for ministry of not knowing what in the world to do. Most of us, you know, I'll serve God, I just don't know what to do. I'll minister to people, I just don't know what to do. And I'm telling you, you won't know what to do until you start walking toward that door that he's opened for you. You won't know what to do until you start trying things. Maybe children's ministry is for me. Uh, Maybe it's not. Maybe young adult ministry or youth ministry, maybe street ministry is my thing. You know, and until you try it, you'll never know. And what happens is we, we just, we get stuck in a place of not doing anything. You know, maybe your thing is uh, reaching your entire neighborhood, you know, but until you start to step out, express love, learn how God works in you and through you and speaks to you, you'll never know if that door is open to you. You understand? And he's like, he's saying, see, I want you to see this. This is not a mystery. Behold, there is a door, there's a door that is wide open for you. There's something that I've done for you to make a way for you. And interestingly, as we read on, we're going to see that a door open does not mean opposition stops. A door open does not mean that you're not going to get any resistance. You're not going to get pushback. You're not going to get people uh, trying to stop you. And this is what we see in the church of Philadelphia. He says, in that same verse, I've placed before you an open door that no one can shut. I know that you have little strength. Now, I've heard, as I was studying this, I heard people say there was 12 to 24 people in this church. I don't know if that's true or not. I don't know where they got that information from. Little strength could be 
They're exhausted. They're burnt out. They have, they're small in number. They're small in finances. They're small in influence. It, it could be any of those. Um, he says, I, I, I see that you have little strength. That's working against a church that's supposed to reach an entire region. You understand? It, it's, it's easy to say, but, but how about that other church? You know, they got way more money. They've got way more people. Why don't they do it? And Jesus is saying, I'm, I'm talking to you. I, I've opened a door for you. Maybe we're sitting here and we're saying, you know, I just don't know how to speak well. And I, I don't, I'm not comfortable praying for people. And I, I don't know how to do that. Maybe I know someone in the church that could do that better than I. No, the door has been opened for you. Do you get this? Like, we can deflect responsibility all we want. We can say it's somebody else's job, but the reality is that God is saying, I see, I want you to see this. I've opened a door for you. I understand you've got little strength. I've opened a door for you. I understand that you're not comfortable doing this or saying, I've opened a door for you. I understand that you really, you know, you don't know how to do it. I've opened a door for you. Do you see this? This is... Listen, I think we're so full of excuses that we miss open doors. Moses. But, but God, I just don't know how to speak eloquently. I've called you to be my deliverer for my people. I, I just, I don't know. I'm not, couldn't you send somebody else? I, I just don't know if I can, I've called you. He appeared to him. God appeared to Moses with a burning bush. He, he he, he showed himself to Moses, and Moses was still full of inferiority and, and, and comple- a complex of not being good enough. Do you think times have changed? Do you think people have changed? You see, we need to learn. The Bible says that the scriptures are there and the stories are there to teach us, to help us, to, to be a model for us, to show us the greatness of God. To show us that mankind, sometimes they, you know, mankind does fall short. But listen, with God, all things are possible. I've opened a door for you. I want you to see that. This is, this is the message. It's not, it's not a negative message. It's a positive message from Jesus to his church in Philadelphia. I know that you have little strength. Yet, you have kept my word and have not denied my name. So, so they're living out the word of God. The, at the core of who they are and how they function and operate, the word of God is their source, is their foundation. And so we, we see that they cling to the word of God. We see that they have not denied him, his name. They're, they're not ashamed of him. They're, they're not, uh, you know, it, sometimes we don't de- deny his name by our, by our mouth and by our words. We deny his name by... Um, by not saying anything. Let me, let me say it another way. We don't deny his name by expressing, I don't believe in Jesus, I don't love Jesus, I don't follow Jesus. We deny his name by not expressing, I follow Jesus, I believe in Jesus. Do you get that? It's the silence. It's the silence that, that says, I'm ashamed. I'm embarrassed. I'm afraid. I, I don't know what to say. I'd rather not get embarrassed than, than proclaim the name of Jesus. It's the silence. But we see here that this church, 
They've, they've clung to his word and they've not denied his name. They, the opposition is that they they've, have little strength. And then if we skip to the next verse, verse 10, it says, I'll make those who are of, uh, oh, excuse me. I will make those who are of the synagogue of Satan, who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars. I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I've loved you. Here are Jews that they were opposed to the movement of Christianity. So they would lie, they would defame the Christians, they would, they would expose them because there was um, a foreign government that was opposed to Christianity. And, and so they would expose them. And, and Jesus is saying, they're, they're not real Jews. They're, they're, a, they're doing a work of Satan. They're doing the work of Satan by exposing my church, by exposing my people. And so here, they, they've got little strength. Wow, that's a great excuse. And then they've got all this opposition outside the four walls of the church. That's another great excuse. And that would be enough to shut most people down. Let's close up shop. We're done here. We, we have nothing to say. We have nothing to do. Our business is finished here because we've got too much opposition. Well, the beauty of this church is they did not let opposition keep them from going through that open door. They did not let the things that oppose them slow them down from doing the things that God had called them to. And I think this is a great example for his church today. You know, the opposition is minimal in America it may be, an incre- it may be increasing uh, in the coming years. I don't know. But we have a great, great open door. Paul says, a great door of opportunity has been presented to me. We have a great door of opportunity to do the work of the Lord in this nation, in, in, this, in this city. We, we have a great door of opportunity, you know. And, but what happens is the enemy gets, gets in and starts to mess with our heads. He gets in and starts to convince us that we don't got the goods. Well, uh, you know, the opposition's too fierce. Or, you know, there's better things to do with your time. Why spend time in the presence of God? Why, 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 that's wasted, why pray? That's wasted time. The enemy can convince us of this, you know. But the reality is, the more we know God, we know his presence, we know his voice, we know his power, the more dangerous we are to the kingdom of God. And so we've become sedentary. We've become casual. We've become laid back. You know, um, we've got time for everything else but the things of God. And this is the message that uh, Jesus is saying. There's a door that is open. I want, you to, I want you to go through it. I want you to take advantage of it. You are the city that's known as the doorway to the east. There's a door of opportunity presented to you. Now, um, so we see the opposition in verses 8 and 9. Little strength. Jews that are lying about them. Jesus calls them the synagogue of Satan. But I want to go back to that little strength thing for a moment. I know you have little strength, he says. I know you have little strength. But I want to say this. That Christ honors faith, not strength. Christ honors faith, not strength. That's why he could say in Ephesians 6, he he could say something like, be strong in the Lord. Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. That's why he could say, 
That's why when Paul writes, the joy of the Lord is my strength. You know? You know when he was, when he was talking about, Paul was talking about um, how he had been taken to the third heavens and saw things that he was unable to express. And, and he had asked the Lord, there was, there was a, a demon that was sent to, or a demon that came and was, was messing with him, you know? Um, thorn in the flesh is what it's called, what he was calling it. And he says, I asked the Lord to take it away from me. I asked the Lord to take it away from me. He says, my, what does he say? My grace is sufficient for you. My grace is sufficient for you. And so when I am weak, then I am, yeah, when I am weak, then he is strong, right? I, I'm not sure exactly how it's translated, but in essence, the strength that we get, we don't, we don't need our own strength. We need the strength of the Lord, right? And so God honors faith above strength. God honors faith above strength. So we need to know that because, again, we could say, I'm weak, I'm tired, I don't, I don't have much uh, of anything, you know. And this is a lesson for all of us because not every one of us in this room, including myself, are as wise as other people in the world. Not every one of us in this room is as eloquent in speech or as influential or has as much money as there's always going to be someone out there that has something better or something more. You understand that? Uh, we, may, we may not be as educated. We, we may not be as experienced. Right? You know? And, and if we lean on those things, we may not have all the right connections, but I want to tell you what we have. We have the ability to trust in the Lord by faith. Because God honors faith. Faith is powerful. Faith connects the, the supernatural with the natural. Right? We, we have access to the strength of God, the dunamis power, the power of God. We have access to that, to that power. And even though we may not have it in and of ourselves, or maybe we could look around and say, man, God, there's somebody else that could do a better job than me. There's, there's somebody else. I know there is. God, pick somebody else. He's saying, I've given you the open door. I've given you the open door. Because by faith, how much faith does he require of us? It's not all that much, like a mustard seed, right? I mean, if you ever looked at a mustard seed, it's very, very small. Very small. And he said, I just need you to trust me this much. And if you could trust me this much, you can say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. He, he's an awesome God, and he's, he's worthy of our praise. He's worthy of our praise. And I want to say, this church, Faith Chapel, is not much different than the Philadelphia church in the sense that we have many open doors too. We have many open doors of opportunity. Many open doors of ministry. God is, and I believe God is going to continue to open them up. But it's, it is imperative for us to go through them. You know, a lot of people would say, you know, uh, uh, on an individual basis, I've received prophecy. We, we, pro we had a team of people prophesying over every person that um, got baptized today. And they may, I don't know what was said, but there may have been some amazing things said in those prophecies. And, and the reality is, uh, until we step out, you know, 
God is, God is a way maker. We sing that song. He's a way maker. You know, he's a miracle worker. Um, but until we step out, there's times that those things that have been prophesied and God intended, God, impl- God planned, God willed to do in our lives, um, if, if we don't step out, I think that we can miss some things. Individually, your, your destiny and future is going to be based upon a step of faith. It's going to be based upon stepping out of that boat. You know, you're walking on water. Peter will be forever known as the man who walked on water because he took that first step. There's an open door. There was an open door for Peter to be a, a man who walked on water. And there's open doors for us in this room. There's open doors for us to take advantage of them. We must go through them. In this passage, he also gives a few promises. I'll cover them very quickly. Um, in Revelation 3.9, it says this, I will make those who are a synagogue of Satan who claim to be Jews, though they are not, but are liars, I will make them come and fall down at your feet and acknowledge that I have loved you. Listen to me. He's going to take care of the things. He's, he's going to take care of the things that oppose you. As you step out of faith, he's going to take care of the things that oppose you from going through that door and realizing all that God has called you to. He will take care of it. In this instance, there were people mocking them, lying to them, or lying about them, exposing them. And, and Jesus said, there will be a day that they come before you, kneel at your feet, and acknowledge that, that I'm the Savior, I, that I have loved you, that, that you are in the right by following me. Jesus will take care of the things that oppose you. He goes on to say in verse 10, he says, since you have kept my command to endure patiently, I'll also keep you from the hour of trial that is going to come on the whole world to test the inhabitants of the earth. Now, this is speaking of an event like the tribulation. Um, and he's saying, look at this promise. He would keep them from the tribulation. These are people that followed Jesus, that served him, that seized the opportunities to go through doors that were open. He says, I'm going to make you a promise. I'm going to keep you from something that the whole world is going to experience. Now, that's amazing. There's a lot more to that that we won't cover, but that's a, that's a promise that Jesus makes to them. And thirdly, finally, in Revelation 3, uh, 3.12, he says, The one who is victorious, I will make a pillar in the temple of my God. Now, this is especially meaningful because they, in the city that they, uh, they called their own, Philadelphia, the earthquakes would come and shake those pillars. The earthquakes would come and lay those pillars down on the ground. And he says, I'm going to make you strong and stable and, and able to withstand uh, opposing forces and, and things that come against you because... Because you are my own. I've called you my own. They would be pillars in God's temple. And it goes on to say, this is so cool. I will make you a pillar in the temple of my God. Never again will they leave it. You know why that's meaningful to them? Because they had to leave daily. They had to leave the temple. They had to leave because of fear that that temple would be coming, uh, crumbling down upon them. Due to earthquakes. And he's saying, I'm going to stabilize you to the point where your, your total trust can be in me. You can lean on me. You can believe in me. And this is what I'm going to do for you. So, so he makes this promise that he would honor them for their amazing faith. 
Now, I want to touch on, in this last two or three minutes, this concept in verse 12 where he says, the one who is victorious. Other translations say, the one to the one who overcomes. Literally every church, Jesus uh, addresses the church in this way, to the one who overcomes or to the one who is victorious. I, I want you to know that he's called us victorious people. He's called us overcomers. He's, he's called us more than conquerors. You understand? But he, he says to the one who overcomes. So that is up to us. It's up to us as a church. It's up to us as individuals to choose to walk in that consistent, overcoming, victorious life. You know? And I want you to know that what that looks like, because we think, well, the overcomers are these super Christians. You know, they, 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 they against all odds and everything stacked against them, there was no chance possible, and yet they overcome. No, he's talking about people like you and me. And our overcoming is a day-to-day thing. Our overcoming can look like this, getting out of bed in the morning, lifting our hands of praise to God, spending time in his presence, You know, our overcoming can look like loving our spouse well today and loving somebody else. Our overcoming can look like forgiving, even though that that person does not in any way deserve forgiveness. Our overcoming can look like trusting God when when something seems like it's, you know, all hell's going to break loose and just trusting him. Our overcoming is a day-to-day thing. It's not like... Uh, again, it's not associated with the person next to you. It's associated with you. You know? We always think it's for somebody else. But overcoming, we are overcomers by the blood of the Lamb and the word of, the te- word of His testimony. Amen? Amen? And so overcoming is, is a day-to-day thing. This is where overcomers are made. This is where victory happens. This is, this is where Jesus is glorified. And I I get it. Overcoming uh, needs to happen in the midst of things going on internally. You know, we're struggling emotionally. Maybe, Maybe we're battling sickness and we haven't seen the victory yet. Maybe... There are people that oppose us and, and they just mis- misunderstand us. They misunderstand things. You know, maybe, maybe the struggle is with our finances, um, you know, and we're called to overcome in life. And that is in, our, in putting our trust in God. It's in, in looking to God. And, and um, no matter what the setback, no matter what the struggle is, we're called to be overcomers. And so Jesus to this church says, I've set before you an open door. And to him who overcomes, I'm going to do great things. I'm going to bless you. I'm going to honor you. And I just, I just think, as, as I close in prayer today, I think that there are some of us that doubt what God has done for us or doubt our ability in Christ. Let me tell you, there's nothing impossible in Christ. You know, when we trust him, he's able to move and do great things. You may have had people say over you, you're going you're gonna to change the world. And you think, you don't know me. Well, listen, listen, with the God who's alive and well in you, you can change the world. And I believe firmly that every one of us have, have had an open door placed before us. I believe that there's things that God is calling us to step into by faith. 
I believe that he's calling us to stop leaning on our own weaknesses and our own excuses, but to step through the door that he's opened for us. And you may say, well, you know, I mean, I'm not sure exactly which one it is. Listen, get to know him more, get to know his voice, and get moving. It's, it's, it's best to function with a green light philosophy. I'm going to go until God stops me. That's what Paul did. I'm just going on this missionary journey. I'm going to Asia. I, I always wanted to see Asia. They got great cities and great places and lots of lost people. And God said, no, I want you to go to this place. But he had a green light philosophy. I'm going until God stops me. And I would challenge you to begin to function in Christ that way and watch what God does. Amen? I want to have our ministry team come forward today. Um, God is so good. Would you stand to your feet as we close in prayer today? Maybe if there's something related to this message that touches you deeply, I would encourage you to get prayer. Um, as always, we have people here that are, will pray for you for physical healing, finances, any, anything you need in life. We believe God will move. Amen? And I want to just close in prayer as we dismiss today. Father, I bless your people, God. I speak the richness of heaven over them, the goodness of God over them. May they know you in a new and fresh way. God, may we walk in all that you have for us as a body and as individuals. May we discover those doors that are open for us, God. May we faithfully and trustingly walk through them, Lord. And watch you move, Lord. We give you all the praise. I love you. I bless your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you guys. We love you.